Mac Power Users, episode 285, iPhone Photography with Austin Mann. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie Floyd? I'm great, David. How are you? I'm excellent. I woke up this morning in Chicago at 4 a.m. Chicago time. And uh, now it is 6 p.m. Pacific time, and I am uh, I'm feeling no pain right now. I don't know why. I, <laughs> well, I have a euphoria right now, a euphoria, yeah. you know. Uh, as soon as the show's over, I'm just going to, like, crash. But right now I'm feeling it All because right. I've been wanting to do this show for a long time. Uh, we've got a, a guest with us here today, Austin Mann. Austin, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. Uh, Austin is a, a real, yeah. Austin's a really well-known iPhone photographer. We're going to talk a, about a lot of the stuff he's done and how he's taking amazing pictures with his iPhone. Before we do it, though, we've got a couple announcements. Um, the first is for the first time. How long we've we been doing this podcast? Now was it six years? I've kind of lost track now. I, I don't know <laughs> the, a uh, lot. Yeah, a, a lot of years we've been we've been at it. Um, we never have resolved the Star Wars Star Trek debate. We've got some things that we still need to sort out. But but one thing we finally got sorted out is we agreed upon a T-shirt for selling to the audience. Yeah, we have a special design and we are going uh, that our good friend um, Forgotten Towel, because I think he is still somewhat anonymous. So uh, Forgotten Towel has done a T-shirt design yeah. for us. He does all the amazing relay artwork. Uh, and so we've got a, t- a Teespring that's going on, and that's going to be launching at the same time that this show release. So you can go check it out. It's going to run now through the middle of November. So you can they will be delivering in time for the holidays. You can get all of your Mac Power users, loving friends, and even your Mac Power using not loving friends, uh, Mac Power users T-shirts. So you can go to teespring.com slash Mac Power users. And of course, we'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Yeah. In addition to getting one for yourself, I recommend you buy one for the biggest PC fanatic, Windows fanatic in your life. Just just for fun. Yeah. Uh, but the, the shirts look great. There's a couple different colors you can choose from. Uh, Teespring does a really good job. The shirts are good quality. And uh, like I said, we, we actually waited a long time because we wanted to get it right. But after all this time, we, we did find it. We've got the right vendor we're working with. And um we're really happy about it. So go check that out. And also, Katie and I are going to be in the, uh, in the uh, what's it called there? Disney World, I think it's called. Disney yes, Boardwalk. we are going to be at uh, the Disney Boardwalk in Orlando, Florida on November 14th at 2 p.m. We're going to be doing a meetup. Uh, so we've also got a link to that. It's uh, mpu2015meetup.eventbrite.com. And so you can find all the information about that meetup if you want to come join us at Disney World. We'll and there. when we opened it up, I believe there were 25 seats when we first opened it up. And just after one show, we've already had almost 20 people. Yeah. And there's no fee. It's just, you know, we're going to kind of meet there and um, everyone's going to buy their own drinks. We're not buying your booze. But other than that, we're going to get some advertisers for you. So you can get some grub off us that way. And um, it's already got like 20 people after just one show announcement. So we suspect it's going to fill up. We'll probably even open up some more. Uh, spots but it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun you know get a big group of nerds together and we will have fun so everybody in the florida area uh, november 14th go check that out yeah so anyway all right without further ado we've we've got a great guest here that uh, we've probably put off long enough so thank you for being so patient with us austin and our and our many announcements but oh, we, absolutely we wanted to have <laughs> you on the show because 
Uh, you are uh, many things. You are a photographer. You are a Mac geek. But you are probably uh, well known for your iPhone photography. And you are a great advocate of using the iPhone as a photographer's tool. And and we want to talk to you all about photography in general, but specifically iPhone photography and how you get some of the amazing shots uh, that you do using the iPhone and a few accessories. So maybe, Uh, yeah, maybe a good place to start with this is I was, I was reading a little bit of your, your bio and I know that you were, you were a Mac fan probably before you were an iPhone fan. How, how did you get started with the Mac in general? Well, my dad, uh, I was born in 1985 and my dad had a Mac before I was born. So there was only one year to, to, for that to be possible really. And, uh, so he got it in 84 and, um, and so I've been on the Apple platform my whole life. And, um, and my dad is a a great photographer and designer and, um, has always been kind of on the, the leading edge and in, in those worlds. And, um, he, he got an Apple, uh, two SI, uh, and he put a Photoshop, I think it was version 2.5 or 2.7 in front of me. Um, yeah, when I was about seven or eight years old, uh, 90, 93, 94. And, uh, you know, as a, so as a little, as a seven year old, I was, um, scanning basketball cards and switching heads of Michael Jordan and Damon Stoudemire. And, uh, that, that those were my toys. And uh, I always look back to that and, and just, uh, so thankful that, um, you know, to have a dad that would, um, you know, instead of saying, this is my professional working equipment say, you know, look at what's possible, play with this, you know, and yeah, so, those aren't expensive um, I got to, uh, uh, I know. And, and then, you know, no one even knew what Photoshop was and scanners were unheard of. And, uh, so that was just like super cool. And I, I love that stuff. And that, that was the beginning of, uh, my passion on, just digital imaging in general. Hey, your dad was onto something. Cause I know with, when I deal with kids in my life and give them an iPad or a Mac, they always do things with it that I would never think of because I've got these constraints. Cause I, I understand the limits of the devices and where they work and don't work. And the kids will just try different things. And a lot of times it doesn't work. And sometimes it, it does something kind of neat. So that's cool that your dad was into that with you. And and so when did yeah. you first so it was your first uh Apple was a two CI? Yeah, it was a two SI. Oh, that was the family computer. So then we got the Quadra and then my dad had a G three or you know, and then yeah, and then we had the Quadra and then I was spending a lot of time and uh on the on the Mac and I, I was actually getting into Flash, um, which is actually before um, this is before when it was still Macromedia yeah. and, um, and even before that, um, what, I can't remember what it was called now, future emotions, future emotions slash, I think, um, in the really, really early days. And, um, uh, so I was, I was starting to get into some of that stuff. Um, and I ended up, uh, I guess it was in 98, my dad came in, um, to my classroom on the very last day of school. And he, he held up a, a, a picture and he said, you're going to want one of these. And, uh, and they had just announced the very first Bondi blue iMac, uh, with the G3 processor yeah. uh-huh. and four to 
4.2 gigabyte hard drive. I mean, I could I could still list all those specs to you because I, I memorized them. But I uh, I looked at it and I was like, I've got to have one of those. You know, I was using the computer so much. And so I actually went home that day and got on the Quadra and opened up Cork Express and made a uh, um, a flyer to mow lawns. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I went around and passed them out to the entire neighborhood. And uh, I, I had to make twelve hundred and ninety nine dollars to buy that first iMac and uh, that summer. And so I was mowing all the time. And um, at the end of the summer, I think I had pulled in about twelve hundred and uh, my dad paid the rest. And I bought my my first Mac of, for myself. And uh, and that was a huge uh, point for me because that's when I really started to get to play with um, more and actually start um, uh, actually doing some design work and some flash animation for a couple of local companies and some stuff like that. I, I love that you, you made the flyer in Quark. You didn't, it's not like you, you know, got out the glue and the paper. I mean, right. use the technology to right. buy the technology. I kind of appreciate that. Yeah. That was my, uh, that was definitely my dad's influence. Um, I was rocking keyboard shortcuts and command tab switch tools and cork and all that stuff as a, uh, pretty early on. So it was fun. At the, uh, when, when I was in law school, I had a professor who had on his wall, he had a, um, and a, uh, two certificates on the wall, you know, cause usually you go into the professors or judges or anybody, especially lawyers, they're all, you know, they're also stuffy. They've got like all the paper on the walls for all, everything they ever did. This guy had two on his wall. He had his, his authorization to practice in front of the Supreme court of the United States. And he had his kindergarten diploma. And his whole theory was you can just assume that everything in the middle exists. <laughs> and uh, I want to take the same theory yeah. with Austin. <laughs> um, so you got started Bondi blue is the first one you bought. And and I do want to get back around to how you got into photography, but just while we're on the Mac subject, what's your hardware, mm -hmm. your Mac and iOS hardware today? Well, I'm I'm using a, the 15 inch MacBook Pro uh, as my primary machine, and I actually have a 30 inch uh, classic 30 inch Apple Cinema display. Sure. Um, and. Uh, um, I've got the the newest MacBook um, that, that's decked out of the um, kind of maxed out on everything that it can have and um, love that. And uh, well, actually, I guess they bumped them a few months ago, didn't they? So I guess I don't have the, the very newest one, but um, the, the runner up. The, and then I also and that's have your MacBook um, Pro you're talking about. Yeah, my MacBook Pro. Yeah, they bumped us, I think, um, not too long ago. Well, they, they were supposed to do it at the end of the year, but they, I don't think they at least as we record this, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so maybe I guess I do have the fastest one still then. And um, yeah, I love that. And then I have, um, I also have the 11 inch um, MacBook, uh, which I really love. I, my, I think my favorite Mac ever was the 12 inch PowerBook, <laughs> And uh, I just loved that platform and the, the compactness and everything. But I really like this, uh, this super thin 11 inch. So you've got so the, been, you've got the uh, 11 inch air, correct? Yeah. What, what do you what do you yeah, think about the new the Retina Mac, the twelve inch new, MacBook? Uh, or or uh, you have the, the you I, have the I Retina like MacBook, it. the it's twelve inch pretty. Retina MacBook. It's twelve inch, isn't it, David? I don't know. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. not that. I think it's not the Air. It's the Space Gray. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, the uh, MacBook. MacBook. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so you're using, you're using yeah. a new Retina one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been testing that a little bit, writing writing on it. I like it. It took me a little bit um, to get used to the keyboard when I first 
I was actually out at the uh, the keynote when they introduced it, and I got to uh, test it in their showroom after the the show, and um, and I was typing on it, and I was like, "Gosh, I don't know if I can do this." It felt a little bit. It just felt a lot different, and I'm um, my I'm pretty specific, I'm pretty particular about the way I need my keys to feel. Yeah, and uh, and um, I got used to it pretty quickly. Actually, it kind of felt a little soft or, or sticky or something. Um, but it didn't take long and I, I felt like I got to the point where I could really fly on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, um, it's, it's a nice machine. I mean, if you're processing much, um, like hard, if you're, if you're processing any heavier media or anything, um, it's, it's, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't thrive, but it's, um, it's an awesome, it's an awesome machine to, to travel light with. And, and honestly, like I was, I was on the airplane the other day next to a guy that had, um, an iPad with a keyboard, like combo case, you know, from, I don't know, Amazon or something. It looked like it was twice as thick as my, what I've got, um, with this, with this little MacBook. So, um, yeah. And it's a Mac, I, you know, so, it's, and it's a Mac. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, it's, it's a really amazing, beautiful machine. I love it. Do you run, I don't know if we've ever spoken to anyone that runs Photoshop on that retina MacBook. Have you tried it? I have, I have run it. Um, it's it's you know it's uh it it's not it's not snappy you know but it 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 handles it so yeah. um you know if if you're going to i think if you if it's your primary machine you know putting it on there and using it uh for a few things here and there is not a big deal but if you're wanting to you know process a wedding or something in lightroom i wouldn't suggest it yeah it's like i always come back to it's a great second computer you know i'm not sure yeah it's an awesome and, and second you, computer yeah, or if you were, I guess, just a writer or somebody who just wanted to write, get on the web, do email, it could probably be enough. But anything that's, I think you know, college, college kids and writers and, um, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people that really don't need much more machine uh, because for, you know, for web browsing and for um, writing and and just kind of general stuff, it's 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 great. But once you get into the media stuff, it's a little tougher. Yeah, I, I've got one too. I love it. Like you, the keyboard is weird, but I got used to it. Except about a week ago, the space bar stopped spacing, which mm-hmm. is really hard when you're writing and there's no spaces between your words. <laughs> Do, uh, oh, really? Uh, you know, I'm a touch typist, so I didn't even realize it until I'd written a couple paragraphs. And I'm like, what? And uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just the one piece of the space bar. The space bar works on the left side, but on the right side where I almost, I guess I didn't realize it now but i almost always hit the space bar with my right thumb and the sp- exact spot where i hit it it just stopped working and then uh i took it in the apple store and when i took it in of course it resumed working again but they <laughs> they said they want to they want to take it out of there anyway they're going to replace the keyboard I, I suspect it may be an issue and they probably just want to just take a look at the keyboard all right well i want to talk about how you got into photography and then specifically iphone photography but before we do i want to talk a little bit about our first sponsor for this episode and it's a very appropriate sponsor for this episode and that is our good friends over at fracture and what fracture does is it takes your photos and it prints them in vivid color directly on glass and they're going to ship you ship you everything you need to get your photo or your digital artwork on your wall or desk right in the box and their prices start at just 15 for a five by five print. Um, Now, the team over at Fracture wanted us to convey their thanks to you uh, who have been 
all of you people who have been ordering fractures out there, you've given them a great chance to print all of your photos. It's been wonderful working with them. They love the podcast listeners, uh, but they want you to know that Christmas is coming. And this is a very important time of the year for them because people love ordering fractures as holiday gifts. And the fractory gets very, very busy around this time. So if you were thinking that a fracture may make a great holiday gift uh, for your friends, your family, your loved ones, this is the time right now. I know it's only late October, but right now is the time to start ordering your fracture prints. Because if you want to get it in time for Christmas, start thinking about it now. So if you've got those photos that are collecting dust in your computer or your camera roll and you want to bring them to new life, um, go through them now and then go over to FractureMe.com. Pick a photo, pick a size. You can upload it directly from their website. And then boom, it's going to be done. Uh, They're going to take care of it from there. They're going to take your photo. They're going to make sure that it looks great. They're going to print it directly on glass. You're going to get a beautiful piece of artwork back. It's the thinnest, lightest, most elegant way for you to display all of your favorite photos. I've got several of these in my house. I've got several of them in my office and they are always great talking points. When people come in, they immediately notice them and they want to know where did you get this? You don't have to worry about framing it. You don't have to worry about getting a mat for it. You don't have to worry about anything. It's a great way to display your photos and to show off your great work. So head over to FractureMe.com. You can save 15% by entering the code MAC115 or MAC15, that's in all capital letters, M-A-C-1-5, and that will save you 15% on your first order. Get your orders in now before the rush, and thanks to Fracture for their support of the show. So, Austin, we know that you've been a Mac geek, and we know that you've, you know, started image processing and, you know, playing around with Photoshop and things like that for a while. But when did you actually decide to pick up a camera and start shooting photography? Was that back in the in the film days or did you not start with photography until digital came along uh i had a film i had an old nikon slr in my hands um as a kid because uh, my dad was a, a great photographer and um again was always putting whatever tools he had in my hands to see what would happen and uh but i never really i never really took a um um a lot of interest in photography um in the film days i I got into digital imaging and Photoshop and all of that stuff um, early, and I started exploring web design and and um, I would used to make like my own Mac desktops and um, and that type of thing. And then I would I started taking images um, from like I would once I had AOL and all those things. I started finding uh, images on the internet of different textures and stuff, and then like mixing those into some of my digital creations, and then. Um, I picked up a camera a little bit to start actually photographing my own textures. And so that was, that was early on. And then um, uh, that was kind of the very, I guess, beginning of um, getting into digital imaging and then, um, and photography. And I, um, uh, let's see, in November 1st, 2005, I had a pretty major 180 in my life and kind of changed direction and, and uh, um, just started making some different life decisions overall. Um, and uh, actually became a Christian. And it was part of that story um, that um, of my faith and that journey that um, that actually got me really into the camera. I kind of was uh, at this major uh, split in my life and making some different decisions. I had a lot of extra time, was kind of transitioning out of a pretty uh, heavy party scene and just being kind of a college kid doing uh, nothing but just uh, being a partying college kid. And I felt convicted about that and, uh, and decided to, um, find something else to do with my time. And it was actually through that, that I, uh, 
picked up a camera and started shooting all the time because I didn't really have anything to do. And, and uh, um, pretty quickly, I became really fascinated with this idea of light and darkness in the physical world and the spiritual world. And, um, and just would, I would shoot um, uh, just in, sometimes till sunrise, just completely through the night and just really loved um, night photography. And so that was my sophomore year in college. And, um, and that was the, really the beginning for me when I realized like uh, that I, it was around that time in 2005, that I, 2006, that I started realizing like, Hey, like photography is um, as awesome or maybe more awesome than the the digital imaging side of just uh, like the Photoshop and stuff. And um, I um, very quickly fell in love with it and felt like there's um, something more to that for my life. And, and that was the very beginning. And, and you didn't just do it as a hobby. I mean, you are published in national geographic travel channel. I mean, you've, your photography is, is really impressive. <laughs> so oh, thank you so much. And, you know, and that's part of it. The, the reason why I want to have you on the show, because you're a big boy photographer. I mean, you, you, you work with high end gear and yet you've, you've kind of developed this niche on the internet. We hadn't mentioned it yet, but everybody go uh, to pause the recording, go check out Austin man, a U S T I N M A N N.com. Uh, because you've got all these free trips, tri- tips and tricks there, but you really have kind of latched onto the iPhone as a, big boy photographer tool. And in my mind, you were like one of the first people to do that. Yeah. I mean, um, that's, that's, that's an honor to hear. I, um, you know, for me, and I touched on this a little bit before, but, um, I, to me, the best tools are the ones that get out of our way and get us to our vision. And, uh, and sometimes it's, it's easy to get like really sometimes the most expensive or, or technical equipment um, is too technical and you're, you're like seeing a shot in your head and you're like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to change my settings to get that shot. Uh, even though this is the best camera ever, um, by the, in terms of megapixels or low light capability or whatever, like if you're holding some, you know, $20,000 camera or whatever, like if it doesn't, if it doesn't back out and, and be invisible and let you capture your vision, then it's, then it's failing. And, um, I, and so that, that's always been my quest and that's what I'll always do is I'll use the best tool for the job at hand the one that, that can pivot and, and flex to the, to what I need. And so, so that's, what's really drawn me to the iPhone platform, even for my uh, professional and commercial work, because in a lot of ways it's, it is the best tool now. And I think in, uh, in the future, it'll continue to, um, become the, um, a better tool. And, and honestly, I, I, where where I see the market going, I think it's it's going to be tough for uh, the traditional camera, the DSLR as we know it, to hold its ground against uh, where the mobile platform is headed. Yeah, I mean, the, now, the, the, that's quite a leap for a professional photographer to make to say, "Wow, I'm going to take this this camera that's that's in my pocket, that's just part of a cell phone. You know, it's a cell phone camera, and and now it's going to be one of my one of my primary tools." How did you come to this realization? Is this something that you said you made the active decision? I'm going to try to incorporate the iPhone into my workflow, or is it something that just evolved over time? Of as you started using it, you kind of realized what a powerful tool it was. Well, I saw. I mean, the beginning of my um, iPhone. I mean, I, I was standing in line on June 29th in 2007 for the iPhone out in New York, and um, um, you know, picked that up and. You know, at that point, I I would have said it was, and I can remember the very first camera phones before that, like um, you know, in the late '90s, like 
uh, and just thinking how what a ridiculous thing like who would ever want a big like you know rotating camera on their flip phone and uh, and then even you know all the way to 2007 when i got my first iphone it wasn't at all to me it seemed a little bit silly to have a camera and say oh you know that might be useful for you know some abstract purpose or whatever but yeah, um, yeah it was good it was good for taking pictures of your friends so you could save them as a contact you know yeah that. exactly yeah that's like yeah that type of functionality it's like oh yeah nice little profile photo i remember what that guy looks like um but uh but it certainly wasn't you know it wasn't at all anything that crossed my mind um as a professional tool but i think um in 2000 uh let's see when the iphone 5 came out so um i guess that was four years ago um uh i they they came out with panorama mode and i lo- was looking at the reviews um of the previous years and um of that year and i was just thinking like uh you know there's all these reviews from all the big publications and the, all the big tech writers and you know it's like the new battery life new screen new software new camera new yada yada and it's just like another thing on the bullet list and their sample pictures are like pictures of their keyboards or at best pictures of like the you know the the local donut uh like shop in new york or something and it it wasn't really anything interesting but i'm like this thing has panorama mode and it's amazing like where's the best place possible to test this um this panorama mode so i actually uh i pitched a friend that was starting a company that needed some uh like super abstract um art and content and uh he funded a trip uh, his brand and his company um, hired me to go over and uh, to Iceland uh, for my very first time and um, shoot that content. But then on the side, I decided to do this iPhone camera review. And so that was the very beginning of kind of like saying, asking myself the question, like, what is this thing really capable of? And, and, and what's as specifically then it was panoramas. And so I, I went and shot, you know, tons of panoramas across Iceland. And that was the, the very beginning of kind of exploring it. And, it, it, and over the years, you know, as they've, um, implemented more and more technology and and uh different features and 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 obviously you know with the explosion of um everyone's speaking the visual language these days with their mobile platform through instagram and different social uh networks and um so i've i've my my style i think and i think a lot of people's styles even professionals have become have maybe conformed a little bit to what they can do on the on the mobile platform and so it's been really fun to ride that wave and, and just keep seeing um, just kind of anxious always to see what's going to come out next and how it'll it'll better fit uh, the needs of, of the professional. Yeah, and that's the re- one of the reasons why I've been, you know, angling to get you on the show for a while, because every year or I think it's been every year for the last several years, you do a really good review of every new iPhone, just the camera. Mm-hmm. And you go out and you take a trip and you take some amazing shots with the iPhone camera and, and you're principally a nature photographer. Is that fair to say? I mean, most of the stuff I've seen you do is nature type stuff. Yeah, I do a lot of nature, but I also, I really love to tell stories about um, different social entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial programs and nonprofits. Um, so a lot of the work you see on my site is um, nature and landscape, but um, really my career for four or five years um uh was full-time telling stories for nonprofits in africa and asia and different parts of the world and so i love to tell stories about people and um how those programs are impacting their lives 
So, so you're traveling the world and, and you've got this camera and, and I just put, by the way, the iPhone 6S camera review in Switzerland up on the uh, show notes. So everybody go check that out. Awesome. Um, but the, but, you know, getting back to the point you made earlier, as you said, look, um, you know, the, 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 the camera phone has in essence killed the point and shoot cameras. I mean, if you look mm-hmm. at the numbers, almost nobody's buying those anymore because they've all got a, a, a decent point and shoot already in their pocket. And, and I would argue better because it's connected to the internet and all the things that you can do with software. Um, but the, uh, but what you said earlier was, well, not only is that in the future, it's going to, it's going to really, you know, put a ding in the SLR market as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think it already is like, I, I, I really, <laughs> I'm, I, I don't know when people are going to catch on, but I, I am, uh, I've been kind of preaching this message for a while, but I, I really think that, the uh the mobile platform is gonna for almost everybody especially i mean right now we've got in europe we've got journalists that are converting 100 percent to iphone and ipad um, imaging because it's it's such a powerful tool for happening now capturing stuff right now editing it adjusting it um and then sending it off and publishing it you know it's it's the best tool it's not just a great tool it's the best tool and uh and so i think that they're like forerunners in their industry, but I think that's going to, we're going to keep seeing that movement. And I, I think there will always be a place for, you know, uh, especially like a Hasselblad or anything that's medium format and larger, there's um, incredible glass on the front that to be shooting product. And there will always be a place for the, the high end. Um, uh, but I think that's going to be more of like a high end, like top five to 10%, um, where like right now it's more of a, you know, it's the the high end gear and pro gear is obviously dominating the pro market. But I think that the mobile, because of its unique, um, you, it, because of its very unique platform, if you think about it, you know, there's hundreds of thousands, millions of developers developing software for the iPhone camera. And if you think about a Canon or an Icon, like, I mean, at most, I have no idea how many they have, but not a, not even a fraction of that. And so the possibilities on the iPhone as a platform um, and just the way that it can be innovated and the different things that we see coming out from different developers that maximize the visual, the visual capabilities on it are just unprecedented. So I think we're going to keep seeing those types of de- developments. And, and, um, and really, like, I think the important like I, I have this, uh, I haven't actually done this, po- this post, but I had this idea of just like, you know, realizing like what I used to, when I used to shoot a panorama, I had this, um, I had my Canon 1DX with a, uh, with a 24 millimeter tilt shift on it or a 45 and like this big technical, um, gear. And then I had this nodal slide, which is this huge like rail thing. And then yeah. I, this big tripod, it's like this big rig that I like put in like a big bag, you know, to shoot a perfect panorama. And then don't forget after I do that, I have to, um, you know, dump all of those images, get them into, um, get them onto my computer, stitch them together in special panorama software, get them into Photoshop, fix it, all that stuff. Right. Like it's this huge process. And if I look at like what it takes to create a panorama in the traditional way that I used to, and then I remember, and then I like compare that to literally this thing in my pocket, like, and and the quality is, you know, it's, it's 90% of what I used to capture or 95. Like I think that margin is going to keep closing, but I think not enough people appreciate like the fact that 
like the, the an image that I had uh, featured that kind of um, was part of the start something new campaign with Apple uh, that was in the Apple stores, like that image would not have existed at all if I had been shooting with my uh, pro camera rig. Like I, I, you I mean, simply you mean you didn't want had... to carry 300 pounds of stuff onto the glacier. <laughs> yeah. I mean, exactly. Like I was, I was, you know, I was, I had to scale this glacier like with on all fours. Like I was climbing around. I had no idea. I was literally walking into fog. I didn't even know a glacier was there. I didn't even know there was a panorama opportunity, like all of these things. Um, and if I and I just simply would have never had my I just wouldn't have had my gear. And so I can say, yeah, sure. Maybe I would have gotten like five to 10 percent better, like clarity or or something with my with my one DX um, when it was all said and done or maybe even more. But the fact is, I, w- I wouldn't have had it at all. So the, the iPhone is in this case. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a it's an all or nothing scenario. And uh and so I think I'm not sure that enough people and especially pros appreciate that. And I think our margin, uh, the margin of quality between that, the, those types of rigs and the iPhone is just quickly narrowing and more and more people are going to um, be jumping on to the iPhone as their as their main gear. Yeah. yeah, And I totally agree. You know, one of the things that occurred to me as you were talking is it's all about software now in so many ways. And this is just one more industry that is being upset because better software is almost more important than hardware. I, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the, the, the phone industry, the, the camera industry, maybe the car industry. I mean, all this yeah. stuff is coming down to software and, and you're right. I mean, when you've got this stuff and we're going to talk later about some, some specific hardware additions that make the iPhone camera better, but it all comes down to the fact it's the software, the fact that this stuff's all connected. I, I, in fact, I want to get into the weeds with you. Now. I want to talk about the techniques for actually taking better pictures with the iPhone. Uh, but before we do that, let me just take a, a quick break to talk about our sponsor. And this is another highly appropriate sponsor for the show. It's our friends over at Pixelmator. And, and Pixelmator has been a sponsor of the show for a long time. And they make a, just an amazing application for the Mac, iPad, and iPhone that allows you to make adjustments to your photographs and it does it for a very reasonable price. Pixelmator won an Apple Design Award. Uh, they've been voted best of the Mac App Store. Um, and, and you know, it's a one-time deal. You go and you buy it, and you've got the software. Super powerful. It uses not only the Mac CPU, it also uses the Mac's GPU. So it's fast. It's quick. They've got amazing effects. You can do advanced compositions. You can... Uh, you can apply filters. You can, you know, just do a lot of different things to your phones and your photos, and then you can export them. So when you take the amazing photos with a great panoramic, you put it in Pixelmator, you can you can make it even better. And all these tools are easy to use. They, if you go to their website, um, pixelmator.com slash tutorials, they've got tutorials there, video tutorials that walk you through exactly how to use the tools, um, retouching, drawing, over 160 different effects you can apply layer styles um and it's compatible with a lot of different um uh, formats psd tiff jpeg png pdf and and the whole thing about pixelmator in my mind is especially if you're getting started in this stuff it's a great way to get in without spending an arm and a leg because the software is reasonably priced and like i said it's not a subscription you just buy it and you own it and they keep updating it very actively developed in fact they just came out with an update recently uh that added some great new features and it's built exclusively for Mac and iOS. So these people love the Apple community. So everybody go check out Pixelmator. If you do end up buying it, let them know, drop them a note on Twitter, send them a note, tell them you heard about it from Mac Power Users. But it's just a great companion to this episode because if you start taking some great photos with these tr- tricks we're going to learn uh, from Austin in just a minute, Pixelmator is a great place to go and process them. 
So um, one of the things that you talked about is the be- be- one of the big benefits of having the iPhone camera is that you don't have a lot of other gear that you have to carry. You know, it's it's small, it fits in your pocket, and you've got all of these other you know benefits to it. But are you really just shooting just with the iPhone camera? I know that there are a couple of accessories and add-ons that you recommend on your on your website. Can you tell us a little bit about both hardware and and software-wise, what kind of packages you're using with with iOS photography? Yeah, so um, you know, I, I think that it's important as a as just kind of a preface. Um, you know, I think the the most powerful thing about the iPhone as a imaging platform is its simplicity and just the liberty of being able to go wherever. So as soon as you start adding like packages and gear and all this other stuff, I think like you know, there's some people that have these like you know huge iPhone rigs that are like bigger than my DSLR, and I'm like. <laughs> Um, we're, we're, we're almost missing the point, um, or we're missing some of it at least. And so, um, I do love uh, the stuff that I, that I, uh, that I do carry. I'm, um, I, I very, uh, carefully vet and very carefully choose. Um, and I think there are a couple of very specific, uh, tools and add-ons that really, um, uh, maintain the iPhone simplicity and ease of use, um, and kind of, and this, the, the spontaneity, um, and, and and actually make it maybe and bring out some kind of pro level quality. So one of those is the my favorite add-on lens is the moment uh, moment lenses and the glass on those things is incredible. Yeah, as soon as you pick it up, you can feel um, how it's it's got a good solid weight to it. It's pretty heavy and it's just a nice solid piece of glass and um, it's it's uh, distortion free. It's a uh, the, the the design of the lens and so um, it's an eighteen millimeter. It's a that's one of the challenges with the iPhone as an imaging platform is um, it's not as wide as you might like sometimes. And so they've got panorama mode for where that's appropriate. But if you need to be shooting um, a single shot um, quickly, uh, throwing the moment on it at the 18 is really, really helpful. So that's great for close quarters. If you're in a, if you're in a tight, um, like a, a small room or in a car or uh, in a, the cockpit of an airplane or something like that, and you need to capture everything um uh that's really helpful and then they also have a, six, a 60 millimeter lens which is um again um uh, something that's really helpful on the iphone because it's it's a fixed uh focal length and so you can't uh, zoom out or zoom in um optically and uh and so um if something like a portrait or you're wanting to zoom in on wildlife a little bit or or um, just something that you can't uh, get closer to the 60s really great and they actually just came out of the macro that's really nice um that i uh used a good bit in the last couple of weeks it's really pretty macro so anyway they've got a nice uh sweet uh just a, new, a nice line of lenses and then um, other thing, can I let me interrupt you there real quick because I I wasn't familiar with the moment lens. I I'm familiar with the Allo Clip. Yeah, so Allo Clip makes a great product, um, and uh, it's it's probably targeted a little bit more at the consumer. It's uh, it's more of a consumer price and probably and more of a consumer quality. Um, really great, um, really great solution. Uh, uh, but I I think if you're looking for pro level optics. Uh, or the just the best optics, you're going to be leaning more towards something like the Moment, which is um, it's a little bit pricier, but I think it's worth it. So, uh, size it, wise, are the Moments still kind of pocketable size? Yeah, they're about the same size as the Allo Clip, a little bit bigger, but um, yeah, I mean it's it's a super small little lens that you could throw in your pocket, no problem. 
I don't, I don't even, I'm, I'm like looking on Amazon. I don't even see them. Um, how yeah, much? go to uh, momentlens.co is where you're going to find them. Um, there's a small, uh, they're a company out of uh, uh, Seattle and uh, um, really amazing uh, lens engineers. Um, so it's a great product. And, it, and it's what I like about it too, is it works with, uh, even if you have a case, um, and that's one of the, pro- that's one of the challenges with the, the clip is, um, ha- if you have a case, it's kind of hard to get it on, of uh, get it on the camera and, or on the phone and off. And, um, and if you upgrade your phone, the clip it might be shaped, uh, for a previous model. Uh, this, the system that moment uses is a nice bayonet system that, um, you, you mount, um, a bayonet on your phone, uh, and then you, uh, you, your lens goes on and off really easily. So is it, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just going to be dense here for a minute. So is it, is there a case when you say bayonet, is it a, a case that the lens mounts on? Or? Uh, it's actually, um, it's a, it, it goes on with adhesive. Um, but once you put it on, it's, it's on pretty much for good. If you need to take it off, you can use like a hairdryer and heat up the adhesive, but it's a, it's a super strong adhesive that you, uh, put on there and it, it's rock solid and then it just stays there, but it, you can put a case over it any case. So it's compatible, really, whether you have a case or not, or any case, almost any case, I think. I'm sure some that are bigger probably aren't compatible, but uh, I, all of my cases work with it. Um, but yeah, if you go to momentlens.co, you'll, you'll see it. That's cool. And they also, now I'm on the website, they, have a, they also have a case. Yeah, that- so um, they just came out with that, and it's, it's a really cool uh, photo accessory because it's... Um, one of the cha- one of the things I love about the DSLR is being able to um, lock focus. Um, you know, when I'm looking through the viewfinder, I can uh, touch the shutter halfway and 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 pull in my focus point and lock that, and then I can reframe my shot and then c- continue depressing the shutter, and it'll take the shot. That's something that you can't really you can't do on the iPhone platform, and um, this case is really cool because uh, it it gives you a shutter button that you can actually uh, uh, use that same technique. So you can pull your focus, and then you can reframe, and then keep pressing the shutter, and then it'll, it'll fire the shot. So um, it's a it's a neat way. It really and it kind of gives you a little bit of grip. It's got a really nice feel in your hand, and you can um, uh, yeah you can easily. Um, uh, hold it with one hand, which is kind of hard with uh, the iPhone, and uh, it, they they did a nice job designing it. And and if you um now the moment lenses are a hundred dollars each, they've mm-hmm. got a uh, zoom, wide angle, and macro. What if someone's out there listening? Which one would you recommend as a starter if they wanted to get one? I think the, the probably as a starter, I would say uh, the wide angle. I think that's the especially for. Uh, I think a lot of people are drawn to using the iPhone just to capture kind of everyday life and just the spontaneous what's what's happening around them. And I think a lot of times that's close quarters stuff. I think the 60 millimeter is really nice, but it might be a little bit more for uh, uh, like, um, you know, um, portraits and other stuff like that. That's maybe a little bit uh, that more organized or, or something that's more intentional. Uh, where the the 18 is like you know all of a sudden you're in the car with a bunch of friends or something and you want to capture that moment or you're in a you know your Christmas morning opening a bunch of presents you want to capture the whole family yeah. those types of things yeah and and these lenses are small so and as I understand it they they dismount from the plate fairly simply yeah they just rotate it a, a quarter turn and it's out so you rotate it a quarter turn in and a quarter turn out and yeah it's a fast process. 
So when you're out on the on a shoot or just out traveling, would you just keep these in your pocket? Yeah, I keep them. I usually I prefer to keep them in uh, my breast pocket of my uh, shirt so I can just grab them super quick. Um, and I, I almost always carry the, the 18 and it's, it's a little less often that I carry the 60, but, um, I, I carry both of them. Nice. So what's some of the other uh, hardware that you, uh, you add to your phone? Um, so I really like, uh, I do a lot of low light stuff and, and a lot of time-lapse stuff. So a tripod is really important to me and, and a good, uh, tripod mount. So I work with, um, I work with the UltraPod 2 made by Pedco, P-E-D-C-O. And um, I get that on Amazon. I think it's like $17. Um, it's a really amazing little uh, tripod. I've I've tried, you should know just as a preface, like I try every, I try everything I can get my hands on and because I want to know that I have the best. So I test, the, I test things in all kinds of different conditions and I have a lot of different uh, variables that I consider for why I like something. And, uh, and the UltraPod continues, I've used it for many years and it continues to be the winner. And I still buy new tripods just to find out like, Oh, that, that new tripods on the market. I wonder what it's like. Um, and so far the, um, not to say that, um, you know, there's not something else out there that might be uh, better for someone else, but definitely for me, the shoulder pod is, it continues to be the winner year after year. And what, what I love about it is, um, it's all, it's got a, it's got an all plastic build for the, the legs. Um, and so it's, it's lightweight. Um, I can, I can throw it in my, like my messenger bag and not worry about it, like scratching stuff up. Um, it's got a really strong head. In fact, the head on it is strong enough to hold my, my DSLR. Um, um, not, 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 uh, super well with the DSLR, but it can hold it. Um, and, um, it's got, uh, it's got a nice little uh, Velcro strap on it that makes it really easy to strap to a pole. This is a small. This tripod I'm talking about is a smaller, small tripod. It, it's the legs on it are um, probably uh, seven or eight inches long, um, so it's it's it doesn't sit very high. But the design um, uh, is really nice because it's got this Velcro strap that uh, you can easily strap it to a pole or a tree or a tree branch or. Um, really all kinds of places. And, uh, I do that all the time just, uh, so I can get, uh, you know, at eye level or I can attach it to the ceiling somewhere or, um, all kinds of stuff. And that's, what's fun about the iPhone too, is just, it's a, it's a really powerful camera that can fit, um, in places that are, it's, it previously would have been really hard to get a, a time-lapse camera in there or other types of cameras. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and, and gang, we uh, uh, Austin has a, a page on his website with some of this recommended gear, and I'm hoping he's got Amazon affiliate links on there. And uh, so, um, go to his website. We'll put it in the show notes. If you're going to buy some of this stuff, buy it through his website. So you know, uh, he gets a little help there. Yeah, um, I, I'll give a... you. I have one tripod I would recommend, and okay. you tell me. Maybe I, I'm. Uh, th- this one isn't as versatile. But it's the Joby Gorillapod Micro. Have you ever yeah. seen one? Yeah. It's, it's like, it is, it's the smallest tripod I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it, it folds up to like half the size of your pinky. And, yeah. You know, and, um, that's it. And that's what makes it so advantageous. Like, uh, I'm a master at finding trash cans and, you know, tree trunks and, and you know, anything. Whenever I go out and I want to take a long shot, I love that tripod for that thing or like shooting at night. It's great. Yeah, that's a that's an awesome one. Um, I love that tripod too. Um, uh, I think so. For me, I look at um, I look at a couple of different uh, variables. I 
if I'm looking for the best possible solution that's strongest and most versatile, that's one thing. And then if I'm looking for like the smallest, the absolute smallest tripod, that's another. Um, so I, I think if you're looking for just what's the absolute lightest way that I can possibly hold my iPhone, um, I actually have another tool um, that I carry and it's, uh, it's very similar to the Joby. Um, that you're talking about and it's made by um, Kivo I think I, I have the link on my site um, I'm gonna have to I haven't uh, I haven't talked about it for a little bit so I, I can't uh, recall the brand but it's 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 very similar in size and it actually to hold it it's Kenu uh, K-E-N-U stance um, and uh, you can get it on Amazon. It's also on my, my page, but it's very similar to, to the, the Joby that you're talking about. And, uh, it's super small and it actually mounts your iPhone, uh, through the lightning connector. So it, it oh, really? um, yeah, so it, it, it kind of gets <laughs> rid of the iPhone, uh, uh, the, the, the tripod mount itself for the iPhone altogether, just by mounting, um, in the iPhone and the lightning slot. So that's, that's nuts. Does it, yeah. does it hold it? Okay. Yeah, it holds it pretty well. I mean, again, you know, so if you, if your interest here is what's the smallest, lightest thing that I can always have in my bag and always have a way to hold my iPhone, uh, that's the, the Kenu stance, I think, that I that I could find. But then if I'm looking for, you know, the most stable, versatile solution, um, uh, then that becomes the UltraPod. Um, and I, I use the UltraPod with uh, the ShoulderPod S1, uh, which I've been using for a while now. It it's an amazing um, tripod mount that comes from a, a really neat company out of Barcelona. And um, uh, I found it to be, I used it for the first time last year because I was looking for, um, when I did my iPhone 6 review, I was looking, I knew they were coming out with a really big, uh, I, I expected them to be coming out with a really big I, uh, iPhone. And so I was looking for the tripod mounts that, that would, you know, fit some of the other big um, phablets and, and that type of thing. And so I, uh, I ended up finding the, the, uh, shoulder pod, which, uh, was fitting some of the bigger Samsung phones. And, um, so I thought, Hmm, hopefully this, hopefully this thing fits the, uh, the iPhone six plus whenever it comes out. And sure enough, um, it did. And, and so I took, I got a couple of them and took it over on my review. And, and I've, t again, you know, I've tested a handful of these things and there's, um, a lot of them. In fact, I have the, like I'm sitting in my office right now. These, this gear is like all around me, all of these different iPhone tripod mounts. It's like all over my desk and I'm like trying to sort, I have like bins of these things cause I, I'm always testing, but, um, I love this one because it's super strong. Um, uh, when my iPhone six plus is in it, like there's, it, it, it I, it's, it feels like it's in these like iron, like these strong jaws. Like I know it's not going to fall out. Yeah. It's like, again, it's plastic and it fits really, really nicely with the UltraPod. Um, and so I can throw that in my bag and I don't have any like metal bouncing around in there. Um, it's got a metal core, um, but the outside is plastic and it's just been a really great build for me. And I, I, I have several of them and I use them uh, quite a bit. It's a fast, it's fast to get the phone in and out. And it's also some of the other tripod mounts are, you, you um, are a little bit more difficult to adjust. This one's a fast adjustment. Uh, so if you switch phones or if you need to uh, change anything on it, it's really quick and easy with a big knob. And so um, that to me is a great combo. And um, I use that when I'm shooting time lapses or if I'm shooting slow-mo or uh, maybe a video interview or different things like that. Um, that's the combo that I use. And then 
I put that on top of if I'm using a more traditional tripod, like a large tripod, and I yeah. um, I carry um, a Gitzo um, uh, 1545T. It's their Traveler tripod, and so, so um, I'll sometimes put, and I have a really right stuff tripod head, um, and I put a little uh, mount on that for my my ShoulderPod S1, and I, I use that as my travel uh, production uh, rig. Now, yeah. with all of your different situations that you're shooting in, you're you're traveling all over the world. You've got different weather situations. What do you do? You do anything about protecting the iPhone itself, or does that tend to impede the the different accessories you're using? Uh, yeah. So I carry, um, and this again is on my uh, on some of my links online. Um, I carry a uh, just it's basically a glorified Ziploc bag um, that that. Uh, is a waterproof it's in fact it's actually like good for down like a i think you can go like a hundred feet down or something with it but i i carry that just to be able to throw my phone in i had a bad experience i was riding on an i was riding motorcycles on an island off uh, the coast of the philippines and uh got like stuck in this months just this crazy downpour and i was following a buddy that i didn't have communication with and we were just and he just kept going and my phone was in my pocket and I usually keep it inside my rain jacket pocket. And I, I just haven't that time. I didn't expect it. And, um, and so anyway, I had to, I couldn't, I was like driving a motorcycle in the rain and, and, an un, and I, I was trying to like, you know, get to my phone while driving with one hand in the rain. I'm like, Oh, it's not worth it. I'm not going to crash. And so I just, kept driving until he stopped finally. And then as soon as he stopped, I got out and, um, and, you know, checked my phone and it was, it was completely dead. And so, um, since then I've, um, carried this, uh, a waterproof case, uh, or it's really not a case. It's more like a bag. And, um, it's, it's, it's like $6 or something. It's super cheap. Um, but it's, it's been really great. I, I even dive with it, um, sometimes and get some underwater stuff with it. Um, but it's also important to note, I think, uh, although uh, we didn't see it, um, it wasn't officially announced. There's The guys over at iFixit uh, found some really interesting uh, uh, new innovation on the inside of the iPhone 6S uh, of some waterproofing technologies. And so, um, you know, they definitely emphasize this. The iPhone 6S is not waterproof. Don't go diving with it and go underwater, but um, it, it may be able to, it's much more likely to be able to survive a dunk or, or something like that when you're, if you're caught in a rainstorm and you can't get it dry or whatever. So, I mean, I'm curious to see how it, um, that performs throughout the, this next year as people um, encounter all kinds of the elements with the success. Yeah. And, you know, now that we've shot holes in everybody's wallets, because we just did, yeah. <laughs> myself included, <laughs> I, I ordered a Kino, you know, because I don't know. It just seems it seems crazy that you can just plug it in the lightning port, but I'm willing to give it a shot. Yeah. Um, but the um the uh, I, why don't we take a quick ad break and then let's talk about, you know, what are the techniques to use this stuff and even just use it without this stuff to take some great shots. Um, uh, Katie, you want to take a minute to talk about our next sponsor? Yeah, our next sponsor for this episode is our friends over at Igloo. And Igloo makes the internet that you'll actually like. Uh, with Igloo, you don't have to worry about being stuck at your desk to get work done. In fact, Igloo can allow you to manage your task list from your laptop during a meeting. You can share status updates uh, from your phone. Um, you can do anything while you're at a client site or even while you're at home. You can access the latest version of a file from your house. Um, everything is mobile and work should be too. And the folks at Igloo get that. And that's why they built Igloo. So if you've 
ever looked at your own intranet for your company and thought, what the heck is this and who designed this? Do they hate me? Um, well, they don't if they're Igloo because those days are over and Igloo can, can help you with that. And they can make the intranet feel like a place that you actually want to be and a place that you can actually get work done as opposed to a place where you have to check in and you have to do anything. Uh, Igloo is amazingly configurable and you can completely rebrand it to give it the look and feel of your team. Um, you can give role-based ac- permissions, drag and drop widget editor that will let you reorganize it and fit it exactly to the way that it works with your teams. Um, and they've got an amazing mobile platform so that you can do all kinds of things directly from your mobile device as well. Igloo lets you integrate with services like Box, Google Drive, Dropbox, all into one big, easy, secure platform. They've got uh, 256-bit encryption, single sign-on, active directory, blah, 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 all of those amazing things that, you know what, you don't have to worry about because Igloo's going to worry about them for you. Uh, with Igloo, you can share files with your coworkers and collaborate um, on all of your tasks and track everything that you need and even figure out when someone has read something so that you you can say, hey, did you do that thing? And they said, oh, I didn't know about it. And they said, yeah, you did because you know what, I've got a read receipt. You can do that with Igloo too. So if you want to get away from that evil internet, go check out igloosoftware.com slash MPU. In fact, you can go sign up for Igloo right now. You can try it for free. And if you have a team with less than 10 people, you can use it for free as long as you want. Um, And if you go to igloosoftware.com slash MPU, that will let you know, let them know that we sent you um, and um, show your support for Mac Power users. So thanks to Igloo for their support of the show um, and go check out Igloo. Austin, um, what can, you know, because I am, I am a, um, I am a want to be photographer in a lot of ways. I, I love photography. Uh, it started taking pictures of my kids, but now I'm taking pictures of flowers and just whatever is interests me. And you know, part of it is because my camera is always with me now. Uh, what are some things I can do to take better pictures as an iPhone photographer? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think it's important to know, like, you know, what, what, ma- what makes a good picture? I mean, I think a lot of people like look at like professionals and like, oh, well, my, my pictures aren't good. You know, my pictures aren't good to that. But I think, I think what, what makes a good picture is um, it, it's, it's something that helps us tell a story and it's something that we emotionally connect to. So um, I, I don't think that it means that the light has to be perfect or you have to be in some, you know, epic location. But um, so like, if you're taking pictures of your kids or, um, or just any, anything throughout your life. Like what's important is that like, there's an emotional, you're, you're taking that image because you're for some reason, emotionally connected to that subject. So think about, um, you know, remember that and remember that the pictures that you're taking, uh, are unique to you and that no matter what, like, um, you know, if someone paid me a million dollars or any other professional, they can't take the pictures that you take because they're not where you are and they don't have your insight and your experience and, and all of those things. And so everybody, um, uh, just at a, at a high level, I think it's important to remember, like you are uniquely you, you have a unique eye, you have a unique vision and, and, and voice. And, and that's, um, inherently valuable and that, that, that makes it a great picture or whatever you're shooting. So, um, but going on from that, if you're thinking more like, how do you capture things that are, um, maybe, you know, how do, how do you sculpt your, and kind of hone your skills as a, as an imager and as a photographer, I think there's a few different things that you can think about um, that can kind of help um, push your your iPhone photography and really just your photography in general to the to the next level. So um, one of those things um, is um, just thinking about with with the iPhone specifically. You have these um, all of these different modes. You know, you have you've got photo, you've got um, video, you've got slow motion, um, you've got 
time lapse. Uh, now you've got live photo, panorama, all these different things. And so I think asking yourself the question, like if you, if you find yourself in an environment that you want to capture, um, ask yourself, you know, what's the best, uh, what do I find the most interesting in this, in, in this environment around me? And I, and I, um, I, I, uh, kind of coach people with this kind of story guiding question, which is, you know, if, if you're sitting in a coffee shop a thousand miles away and you're wanting to tell somebody about this experience or about whatever you see in front of you, um, what are the things that you're going to talk about? Like, what are, what are you, what are you, that, that, that'll help you kind of drill in on like, what am I finding interesting about this? It could be like the really vibrant color of the flowers, or it could be, um, you know, the, the, the entire, the, the garden or the environment or the sky and the flowers and how they, um, juxtaposed or whatever, you know, so ask yourself that question. What, what would I want to talk about? And then, uh, and then ask yourself, you know, okay, so maybe it's, um, uh, you know, maybe it's the breadth of this garden that you're in. Uh, well, so maybe a panorama would be a really good tool to shoot that. You, you got to ask yourself, what's the best, uh, what's the best mode to capture this in? I think, you know, if there's, let's say, if you've got a bunch of kids that are running around on a playground, like, um, you may be, you may note the sound, you may know, note just the laughter or whatever. And so maybe it's, uh, motion that would be best because that's going to capture the sound. So just asking yourself that question, like, what am I emotionally connecting to here? And what's the best, uh, what's the best mode that I can capture that in, um, is a, is a really great start. Now, now digging in the weeds on that a little bit. Um, now when you decide which one you want to use, uh, are you taking it with the Apple built-in camera app or are you using something else? Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan and an advocate of the of just the native camera. I think it, it's it's what you can um, activate the fastest with just by sliding it up from the from uh, from the bottom of the screen, and then you know it's also really stable. Like I've I I experimented with a, a number of different time lapse apps and different things like that, and you know it felt like half the time they would crash in the middle of the time lapse, and I would lose the whole thing and. Um, and just other things like that. Um, again, I think there's some really nice pro apps like manual and camera plus and other stuff out there that will allow you to like really hone in on your, your, your settings and your shutter speed and all that stuff. But I, I think there's a lot of Liberty on the iPhone platform to let it do what it's, what it does really well. And it meters the light and color and you get to expose it how you want, but it's, it's it's a fast um, experience using the native camera that you can easily and quickly capture a moment, and you have really great control um, that's very simple and direct. And so I think, uh, you know, if you're looking for the finest tuned control, I think you should be, you know, shoot with your DSLR if you're looking for if that's what you're interested in. But if you're interested in, um, you know, a really really great image and and capturing something really quickly, I I, I really like the native camera and it, and and it's really stable. Um, so I like it. You know, one question I had for you is you have famously taken some really amazing panoramic shots with the iPhone. Um, I, I go out and shoot with the iPhone out and, um, there's a running debate in my family where everybody takes panoramics. They hold their arms straight out and they like swing the camera. And I keep trying to tell them, I think you need to keep the camera in one place and just rotate it. And nobody I, you know, I have never looked at it, but it seems to me like they come out better, but you would know. So help me yeah. out here. How am I supposed to take a panoramic photo? Yeah. So um, getting into the real technical terms, there's a um, your rotation point um, should be. Well, 
Um, yeah, so I think you're, you're more on the right. You're more on the right track, and, and ter- uh, you need to keep your iPhone as close to um, the rotational point as possible. Um, fortunately, the, the camera techs at Apple have done an amazing job, and it's it's kind of hard to mess up one of the panoramas there, um, which kind of boggles my mind. I mean, we used yeah. to when I was shooting the panos with DSLRs, like every lens has its own nodal point, which is um, the point that you want to rotate around. Um, it's where it's, I mean, it's where the light is uh, can intersecting and all this stuff. You know, it gets into this super technical world that uh, I don't even completely understand. But um, and now it's just like, yeah, just, you know, throw up your hand. And I mean, I, I you know, I used to uh, I it's had a software bubble. again. Yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah. I had I had bubble levels and and like, you know, all kinds of stuff to make sure that I was totally tuned in. And now, you know, without even looking, you, you can stand on anything, a glacier or whatever, and, and shoot something that looks beautiful. So um but I think that especially you're going to see an impact um, if you're looking at a landscape panorama, um, it's really hard to see a difference. But if you're looking, if you're if you're uh, in a tighter environment, um, you're you are going to start to notice uh, what we call uh, parallax and some other um, some other kind of uh, technical uh problems with panoramas if you're uh, really swinging the iphone out far from your body um, i prefer to hold my phone as close to my body and just and rotate at my hips um, and i find that to be the most stable versus like trying to do with my hands and so i kind of keep the like i'll um you know i'll start by like kind of pointing my shoulders and my general body towards like the middle of my panorama and then i'll rotate um um counterclockwise 45 degrees so if I, you know, I start it, it, the middle of my panorama, if that's my 12 o'clock, I rotate back. Uh, I, I keep my feet pointing that way and then I rotate my shoulders and just and 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 twist back to nine o'clock. Um, and then I start my pan out and then I just rotate back through 12 o'clock and then all the way back to three o'clock. Um, and I, my feet never move and my arms don't really ever move either. They're just fixed against my body. And, I, and it's just my shoulders that, that point. So you're holding it like against your chest? Uh, as close as I, I need to be able to see it, but as close as I can to my chest, yeah. Gotcha. I'm just imagining. Okay, I'm totally doing that, and I'm going to play this part for my wife just because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you may look, uh, yeah, you may look a little bit geekier, but uh, um, I don't, I don't think we have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah, trust me, Austin. That that is not an issue for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what I mean, about some of the yeah. other modes on the native camera app, like time lapse and some of these others? What are some good tricks to to make sure you get those right? Um, you know, um, I really like, yeah, I mean, we could go through it. So, you know, uh, in photo mode itself, one of the biggest features that, uh, has really impacted that has been uh, just exposure control, which uh, came out last year, just the ability to uh, touch the screen uh, once and then touch it again and slide down, um, or up. Um, I, I underexpose in general, cause I generally, um, I find it easier to bring back, um, the shadows and bring back the highlights. Like if I'm, if I'm editing and I want to, um, and I, in Snapseed or just in the native, uh, photos app, um, I find it easier to bring back the, uh, uh, bring up the shadows. And so I, I generally underexpose my shots, um, just a little bit. Um, and then I also, I use fixed, uh, focus a lot. So if you touch and hold for just a, a, a second or two, um, you'll see AEAF lock pop up at the top of your uh, screen in yellow. And um, 
uh, that'll lock your focus and lock your exposure. So uh, I use that a lot for like macro shooting. So if I'm like shooting a picture of a raindrop or something, I'll get my camera as close as possible to that raindrop that it's in focus. And then I'll um, lock focus on there and lock exposure. And then I, I can kind of reframe my shot um, and still keep that uh, water drop uh, tack sharp. So that's really nice. And then, um, yeah. And just uh, so, for macro photography, are you, how much of that are you doing just with the iPhone natively versus with like a, one of your moment lenses? Um, I, I've started using the moment quite a bit. Um, it's, you know, it's like a, it's, it's significantly closer um, for macro, you know, then the iPhone and then the, um, the all clip actually has got quite an amazing, the four in one has quite an amazing, uh, uh, a macro mode on it as well. But I mean, uh, what I, I would do that with the macro lens and with just the native, um, just the native lens, I, I still use that same technique and, uh, it depends, you know, a lot, sometimes like if I'm just out and about, like I'll, um, you know, I'm and I don't have my moment on me, or for whatever reason, I I don't need to use it. Um, I'll just use I'll I'll shoot some macro stuff with my actual phone, and I I actually find it can focus pretty close and get some nice shallow depth of field, yeah. and um, I like it a lot. So and that and uh, that the tip you use about setting the focus point is really great because then you can even reframe the shot if you want once you've done that. Yeah, so reframing is really important, especially and actually one of the things that I do. Um, when, when you get that close, especially if you're using with uh, one of the macro lenses, your, your depth of field is going to get really, really shallow, which is um, one of the uh, one of the things that affects your depth of field, which is really just like how, what's the how, how much is in focus? What's the plane? Is it, uh, you know, just a couple of millimeters that's in focus or is it an entire landscape that's in focus? But when we start shooting in macro, your depth of field, the, the amount that you have in focus gets really, really shallow, really, really narrow. So very, very little is in focus. So it can actually be really hard to um, uh, to get the shot tack sharp. So sometimes what I do is I I try to focus as close as possible, and then I lock focus, and then I use burst mode, um, and I just burst like fifty shots, and I just kind of move in and out uh, really yeah. slowly, and then um, and then I go back through, especially if I'm like you know in a car or if if for any reason I'm moving around and I I can't quite see the shot perfectly, I'll I'll just um, I'll just burst it and then I'll go back and I'll find my, my perfect shot where I'm at the perfect distance and it's uh tack sharp. Cause it, sometimes it's like, you know, it's, it's mill it's a millimeter uh, that, that changes that focus. So um, that's, that's something I do quite a bit. Um, and, and let me just interrupt there. Now for those at home that don't know about burst mode, I think it's one of the best features on the iPhone camera and it's where you just hold down the shutter button and it takes a burst of photos and it's, it's really great for just getting the right photo. In addition to what Austin just explained, I like use it whenever I'm taking pictures of kids because kids are like so hard to get the smile or, you know, you get them where they're blinking or, you know, whatever. And you just hold down that button and it takes like a lot of pictures and then you can go through and find the one where everybody is like, okay. Yeah. But, well, I think that's like a couple of years old now, but man, I don't think a yeah, lot of people even point. know it exists. Yeah, I mean, I think some people do it on accident. They like hold their shutter for a second, and then they're like, "Wow, I I don't know why I got so many pictures," because yeah. um, it's <laughs> and, yeah, it's really easy to use. And the iPhone does try to pick the best one for you, but you can go through and look through them yourself, which is which is really great. Right? Yeah, I use that quite a bit, and and this is a little bit of a tangent, but um, opening up using the Photos app on the Mac actually, I'm finding is really powerful. My last the review that I did with the uh, iPhone success in Switzerland uh, last month, 
was really uh, um, I used photos a ton and it sorts out all of the um, it sorts out all of the different modes. So you've got your selfies, you've got your slow-mo, you've got your panos, you've got everything else. And it makes it really easy to select your favorites from your, from your bursts. Yeah. Know? I mean, it, it, it's not high end processing, like some of the stuff you work with, but boy, it sure is great for organization and, and yeah. it's largely stable. I mean, we, we talked about in the past, I did a screencast on it and we've got some people that have had problems with it, but, it really was not very many people that had problems with it, considering the amount of people we had that love it. Um, yeah, um, yeah, I I was pleasantly surprised by it, and it's a really powerful tool for yeah for shooting with the iPhone. Well, we're I wanted, kind of on the topic of of post processing. Yeah. Do do you do any processing of the photos on the camera? Any software based processing on the camera, or do you always? take your photos off the camera to do post-processing? And if so, are you doing that just with photos or are you using other tools? No, I, I almost, I do, I would say 99% of my, uh, or, or more, um, I can think of a couple of times where I've taken in some iPhone images into um, Photoshop for, for print or other stuff like that. But almost all of my uh, editing is done on the iPhone platform and, um, um, I think that's, uh, that's part of the, that's part of the, the, um, kind of the allure of the, of it in general, but, and there's, there's at first, you know, there was, um, I've been using Snapseed ever since, um, I, I've been a big fan of Nick, uh, software and, um, their plugins for Mac and I've always kind of ha- used their stuff. And then when they came out with Snapseed for the iPhone, um, I was, you know, what, one of the first to download and I have always loved it. And it was, it was great when it came out, but now it's just incredible. Um, uh, everything that's happened with that uh, program. So again, that's Snapseed. Um, and now, uh, Google is running that and, uh, it's an incredible, uh, incredibly powerful and yet simple, uh, interface for editing and adjusting photos. And so, uh, you can really do some, some amazing things there. So I, I love to use Snapseed and then, uh, so I would say almost all of my images that I edit go through Snapseed. Um, um, and then uh, sometimes I use a tool like Mextures, which is a, a tool that you can add uh, some color and some different gradients and texture um, onto your image and kind of change the mood of it. And I also like to use Visco, um, VSCO, um, as another tool. And those are that's kind of the uh, trifecta, I guess. And then I have some other specialized tools Um uh there's a there's one called s k r w t um and it it's really great for like architectural stuff you can straighten out um verticals and uh you can uh, like kind of a like uh influence if you have any like uh lens distortion or anything like that you can fix a lot of those things and um and i have a couple of other kind of special there's another one called slow pro s l o dash pro and that's a really awesome one for uh slowing down your slow motion footage down and it can emulate um even like a uh, 500 frames or a thousand frames per second slow motion um it's a really powerful tool and it actually does a does a really really good job um and again like those types of things you know it used to be like it used to be quite a process to drop um uh footage into after effects and have the right plugins and those types of things to be able to emulate those types of slow motion. Um, but now I'm just doing it while I'm, you know, on an escalator somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And like, even like when you're talking about 
um, you know, panoramics. I remember when you would go in and you'd have to have all the individual images and have the software trying to align them. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know, all this stuff now is so much easier. It's, it's really it's hard incredible. to believe. Yeah. yeah I think, I think like, uh, you know, we didn't get to it, but, um, but also with like the stabilizer, which one of the really big things this year, um, was the, the, uh, digital and optical stabilization. And like, again, like, um, you know, we've all seen the guys at, uh, at productions wearing like big steady cam rigs, like giant vests, you know, with these huge cameras that are gliding in front of them that they're operating like the, those one, you know, it's, you, you hire a steady cam operator to get like, you know, smooth footage and, and they have all this high technical equipment and all this training. And now like that, that doesn't like, I mean, we're on the, sure. Like right now, like you can probably get some stuff with that rig that you can't with the iPhone. Definitely. But we're, we're starting to see like innovation at the point in the software um, where I, you know, I can walk, I can run, uh, you know, down a mountain and, uh, with unsure footing and it almost looks like I'm gliding. Um, and that's just from the, the stabilizer built into the camera. So that's, you know, it's those things that just keep bringing me back and that, that unique power that I have um, at, at any given moment for any given scenario that is just so fun to play with. Yeah. And, and I want to talk about the differences because you just did this great review of the success. I want to talk about what about the 6S camera system you like and dislike and maybe even video a little bit. I mean, there's just, I feel like there's so much we could talk about and everybody at home, you don't realize what a gentleman Austin's been because we've had the worst Skype connection all day. So this, this show's yeah. already taken us. We were like already two and a half hours or something in, yeah, even right. though you're not hearing that much. So <laughs> we're not going to keep him forever because he's got a family and we're going to probably have him back. But uh, I do want to talk about some of this other stuff with the video iPhone six. And I want to talk about this DXO one because everybody's talking about it. And I know you have some opinions uh, before we do that though. Uh, I'll take a minute uh, to talk about our final sponsor of the day. And that's our friends over at the Omni Group. And they have a new application out, well, a new version of an application out that I want everybody to know about. Uh, Omni Plan is the you know Omni Group's take on a project planning software. And it's always been, in my opinion, the best on the Mac because they they spent so much time trying to make it easy to use and, and making it something that anybody can pick up and work with. I mean, project planning software is legendary for being indecipherable to normal people that you have to go take a, you know, month long course before you can even figure out how to open a new file. And OmniPlan has never been that. It's always been one that anybody can use. Uh, but the Omni group has really stepped it up with this new OmniPlan three for the Mac, because it, what they've done is they've managed to keep the, the simplicity that it's always had, where you can make an outline and turn it into a Gantt chart in all of about 10 or 15 minutes, the first time you use the software, but then they've like turned it up on the, you know, on the upper end, they've added a whole bunch of features that just make it a real powerful project planner. Like they have the multi-project dashboard now where you can look at multiple projects at the same time and compare them to each other to see how things are working. I use this in my, my legal practice. Uh, they have a thing called Monte Carlo simulation. I got very excited. I thought I was going to be able to play craps, you know, in OmniPlan, but that's not what it is. Monte Carlo is actually a, um, a well-recognized term in the project planning industry where you can throw a variable at a project and see what goes wrong and how it affects it. 
that's all built into Omniplan now. So you can use that very advanced Monte Carlo simulations. And they've got these network diagrams that make it really easy to kind of see visually how your project is going and earned value analysis. You can actually see monetarily how much it's costing you with delays and things like that. And all of this stuff, once again, I said, it's, it's got that great Omni group attention to detail and design aesthetic built into it. So it's, it's just the most powerful. It, it was always the most simple to use. And now it's the most simple and the most powerful at the same time. So I want you to go check it out. It's at the omnigroup.com uh, Omniplan. They've got a video there. They've got great pictures. You can download it for a free 14 day trial. So, uh, you know, you can give it a try, kick the tires. And, and like everything from the Omni group, it's just, just quality all the way through. Very excited to see the new version of OmniPlan. We're probably going to do a show at some point on Project Plan to talk about some of the stuff because a lot of people are asking how to use it in their day-to-day life. And we'll have some more content on that at some point. But for now, just go check out the new version of OmniPlan. I think you're going to really like it. And thank you, Omni Group, for supporting the Mac Power users. So how important is the um, video stabilization in the iPhone 6S Plus versus the iPhone 6S? Yeah, so I I would say that the most compelling thing that I found, uh, the most compelling update that I found in the iPhone uh, 6S Plus versus the iPhone 6 Plus was... um, or versus the six, uh, six, six uh, S. the six S. Sorry, yeah. and it's um, all a mouthful, isn't is, it? I know, I know. Um, is the the new stabilization, and um, uh, I did a I did a little side by side that's on my website of of testing these things. Is where I put the I put both of the phones on um, on a on the same rail on the same rig, and then I just held a um, a time lapse. Um, and that was that one got a lot of traction because it was it really shows a, a huge difference between the new phone and the old phone. And um, and I actually I learned later that um, that that was a time lapse. And I, I uh, um, came to know that um, the time lapses actually are using uh, software stabilization and digital stabilization. Um, and same, as as is also true with the sl- with the slow-mo. Uh, so slow-mo and time-lapse use a, a software-based stabilization, but then the actual video mode uses the um, the optical stabilizer. So this the iPhone 6 Plus um, had the optical stabilization for photos, but not for video. And then uh, the 6S Plus has the optical stabilization um, for video as well. And so I did uh, a bunch of stuff uh, just running with, um, like running down a mountain, uh, uh, with uh, the each phone on on the same rig and and it's just crazy like uh, it's just it's a ton better and um, and I think um, uh, we these little innovations are I think they're a product of um, um, the engineers and the the the, um, at the the team at Apple that's shaping the product to be uh, better um, for the everyday user because I I see like we. It's it, they're what it's not. I don't think is you know it's not it's it's not necessarily like it's not a marketing like thing or anything else. It's just an obsession with building the best product for its users. Like no one even knows what optical image stabilization is. Like it's not like something that everybody's like super yeah. like. Oh, I gotta have this. Like I I can't wait to have optical. Like we we gotta get optical image stabilization. And it's like what is that? Like can you tell me why that affects me? 
but it does. It affects everybody that has an iPhone because everyone that has an iPhone is, you know, in a car or at a birthday party or um, experiencing something uh, and they're shooting video of it and their video is, is shaky and, and uh, um, you know, not as, and, and, and shaky video sometimes is to the point where you can't even watch it because it's, um, you know, so it's almost jarring. And it's like, uh, it's like you say, you don't need to know what it is, but when your daughter takes her first steps and you shoot that video, it's going to be a lot better. Absolutely. And that's, that's the point. It's these silent. And, and that's why, that's why the uh, iPhone review has become so fun for me because I, I really feel like it, it, it seems to me that almost every year these, there's these kind of, there's these innovations that kind of no one really knew that they needed that really impact us. And I love to highlight, I love to find those and highlight them and, and, and talk about why, you know, why it matters for, for us as photographers and, and videographers that are capturing our lives around us. And so, yeah, I, I really love that um, as, as one of the improvements. And then, you know, of course we had the um, higher resolution for both stills and video and, um, I actually found some some kind of cool results um, that I, I didn't necessarily expect with some some deeper dynamic range with the iPhone um, 6s and services the six and um, uh, and basically what that means is um, uh, the I I can push the images harder when I'm editing I can pull more detail out of the shadows and pull more detail out of the highlights um, when I when I'm actually editing uh, than I could on um, last year's device and it's it's not like um, you know, it's not a, it's not an insanely huge difference, but it is noticeable. And, and, and every time I've edited an image with my iPhone, I've noticed uh, the difference. And actually that's what, that's what uh, kind of um, spurred me on to actually even try it is I, I edited an image on my iPhone uh, 6S plus, And I looked at it, I thought, man, that, that seems like I really pulled out a lot of detail out of those clouds. And um, so then I went on to test it just to find out um, you know, if it was any better and it was significantly better. So that was a, that was a, a great um, upgrade along with the, with the resolution. And so I've been shooting yeah. a lot with this success and like it. And I really recommend that you, um you go watch the video he has on his review where he has the six plus and the success plus on the same rig. And the difference in stabilization is, is, I mean, it, it's night and day in my opinion. I mean, it's so much one, one side with the new camera, it's usable footage. The other side, it's just too jiggly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, the, I was um, pleasant. I had no, I didn't know it was going to be that significant for sure. What about the difference between the the six S and the six S plus, you know, so the current generation, but the, because I know the six S plus still has physical stabilization in the lens. Right. Did you see much? Yeah. So I, um, I wasn't, I didn't completely understand how the stabilization was working between digital and optical when I was actually testing. Um, and so, uh, I actually really need to go back to, to make, um, um, uh, a, a, um, compelling statement about it, but, um, I, I did try it. I, I shot some videos side by side um, with a 6S versus the 6S Plus while I was uh, paragliding over there. And um, I I didn't notice. It was hard for me to tell for various reasons. One, the paraglide was was pretty smooth. <laughs> um, and yeah. so uh, it wasn't a super shaky experience. But I need to go back and, and, and test again to really find out um, what the difference is. But I, I think the biggest... The biggest change that you're going to notice is, um, again, in video itself, because that's where we got the new optical image stabilization. And I think in more of a 
um, like a you know a, a a situation that's not gliding through the air, but more um, like riding in a car or on a train or you know, anywhere that you might have unexpected vibration. Um, and so I, I haven't. I need to get out and test it. But yeah, I think that's where you notice the difference. We've been talking about think? the the iPhone. Sorry, David, didn't mean to cut you off. We've been talking about the Go iPhone ahead. this this whole time. But there are still so many people, and sometimes we make fun of them, and I know we shouldn't do that, but who use the iPad as a camera. Um, Where does the iPad fit into this? Because there is a really good camera on the iPad, and it gets better with every generation. I know it's not iPhone quality, but it's not a bad camera. Yeah, I mean, I think the iPhone's an amazing—or sorry, the iPad is a really awesome platform. Um, I think, you know, as a— I think ergonomically it faces a couple of challenges for as an, you know, as a, uh, as a camera. And I think it, it's, it's, it's a little less spontaneous and it's a little bit less, uh, you know, subtle and discreet. And that, that those are some of the greatest advantages of the, of the iPhone, but it's, it got, it's got a great camera on it and um, it's a great tool for, um, I think a lot of journalists are using it because they can easily write on it and, um, edit on it um, and other things like that, like in the field and, and get content out really quickly. So um, if you're looking for maybe a little bit more power on the back end on the post-production um, and the ability to yeah, like write and um, and edit and, and share, um, it's, a, it's especially powerful in that realm. I'm wondering with the with the iPad Pro coming out, do you have any interest in, you know, keeping the iPhone as a shooting device, but with everything syncing up with iCloud photos, um, using the iPad Pro as an editing device? Yeah, I'm really interested to see what it what, what it turns out like. Um, uh, I think that the pencil is going to be really cool. I would love to see. I mean, I'm sure that. Well, I'm not sure, but I, I would sure hope that they um, that they would create an integration uh, with the iPad Pro to Mac too, where you could um, use the the pencil as like almost a, like a like a Wacom, Wacom tablet. tablet. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, and be able to. Um, I mean, that could just be incredibly powerful. I, I assume that that's going to happen, but never know. So um, uh, I can't wait to have that iPad Pro. I think it'll be really awesome, and especially to put it in the hands of. I've got a lot of friends that are incredible hand drawn artists and and painters, and that is not my strong suit for sure. Uh, but I would love to. I can't wait to see what my friends um, create with it. Yeah, and you know the and it really is a device to edit photos on. Like mm-hmm. you were talking about on the phone, if you had the bigger screen, it would make it easier. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. The um. What about now on the video su- subject of video? Um, what for someone at home? Do you recommend shooting in 4K? I mean, I know there's a lot of different video modes, and that's the one question I always have. Well, you know, it does use a lot of storage on your phone. Uh, for someone's just taking a picture, videos of their kids. Well, I mean, what what are your thoughts on you know which video mode to shoot in? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's personal preference. Um, I I I don't really I. Th- I think my recommendation would be for for most people probably to to just hang with regular HD at 1080p. Um, you know, your your like like you said, uh, your storage is going to be uh, significantly less, and uh, and so you'll be able to store quite a bit more on your phone if you're shooting 1080p um, regular HD. Uh, and uh, and it's also you know um, there's there are there are 4K screens coming out now and. Uh, they're gonna, you know, there's gonna be, they're gonna be everywhere soon. But right now, it is hard to actually view true 4K. Um, and the, the, doesn't it also affect stabilization if you shoot 4K? You don't get as 
good of stabilization? Or am I wrong about that? Um, that's. I think you might be onto something, but I, I'm not sure that I remember exactly how the 4K um, affects it. But, um, if it may affect the digital stabilization, um, because the way that works is it it stabilizes um, by kind of cropping out the edges, and when you have a yeah. higher resolution with the 4K, I think it does impact it. But um, yeah, so I I think and I and I would assume I actually can't uh, speak to this from experience, but I would assume it would take more battery too, just because it's processing quite a bit more information. So. Just, be, I, I think it's something like you know, if you're in a, if you're in an especially beautiful environment that's really high um, texture or just lots of color or, you know, somewhere especially beautiful that you just really want to capture. Like I think it's awesome to switch into 4K mode. But on on the day to day basis, like I would I would keep it in 1080p and then and just update upgrade to uh, uh, 4K for you know specific situations. And actually, right, well, on yeah. that note. Um, I did find a, a, a nice little uh, quick way to switch settings. So I um, just as a little tip um, to change your frame rate in slow motion from 120 to 240 or uh, to change resolutions um, from 4K to a regular 1080p. Like it's, it's a little bit of a process. You can't do it in the in the native camera app. Uh, you have to go. You know, you have to hit your home button. You have to go back. You have to open settings. You have to scroll down to photos and camera and then um, go in there and change your settings, which, you know, if, if you've got like an amazing shot in front of you, that's fleeting. Um, yeah. Each of those steps is, is in the way. So um, I actually did find if you have a fast LTE signal in your series working well, um, you can ask, you can ask Siri to open camera settings. Um, and it, it's a really nice little kind of hack and just shortcut straight to, uh, to camera settings. So you just, just uh, say open camera settings and, boom they're right there in front of you you can switch it and then you can really quickly switch back so um i found that to be really nice and useful in the field isn't it nutty though that you need an internet connection to have it open settings which is already on your phone <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah. it's it doesn't work if you're traveling you know out of a connection or you know somewhere in africa or something but um it, it works in most most scenarios well, well those at home don't know like i said what a true um um, you know, trooper, uh, you guys have been, Katie's now past midnight in this show. We started, I don't know. I think we started it yesterday at this point, but the, um, I have one last subject for you cause it's kind of timely and then we're gonna let you go. But Austin, we are going to want to have you back because I feel like there's so much more I want to talk about, uh, shooting video and, and, um, photos with the iPhone and not to mention, you must have some great travel tips with all the travel you've done, but we're going to get you back, uh, if yeah, you'll, if you'll have us. Absolutely. But the, uh, the last thing is there, there's a big hubbub right now about, uh, cameras and the add-ons and there's, there's an add-on now, uh, this DXO one, and it's not cheap. It's a $600 thing that, plugs in your lightning port it adds a 20 megapixel sensor it's a very high-end sensor as i understand it and um can really improve the um the you know it basically is an upgrade to the camera on your iphone and i know you've spent some time with it what, what are your thoughts of it yeah i um um i think that one of the most uh, what well, the reason that i still carry my dslr sometimes with me is for super low light if i know i need to, to photograph the stars or um, if I am going to encounter any just low light um, scenarios, and uh, and so I'm really I was really interested when I um, saw some of the sample images that came out from the DXO one, which is it's really it's it's a it's a tiny little add-on that that fits in your pocket, plugs into your iPhone via the the Lightning connector. Um, it's got its own independent battery. 
Um, it's got a little, nice little touchscreen on the back, and, um, and it, has, it shoots to um, a little micro SD card, um, and also straight to the iPhone. It can do both, um, but it's just it's a it's it's no larger than I don't even know what I would equate it to, but it's uh, it's uh, like a third geez, a pack of cigarettes. Uh, like that's a third. what I was about to say. Third. Third pack of cigarettes or so, yeah. and um, and so it's a really nice little. Um, it, it's something that doesn't it doesn't jeopardize the liberty and the simplicity of shooting with the iPhone platform. It's still very lightweight. It's still you can throw it in your messenger bag, but it gives you some really compelling low light capability. It has a aperture on the lens of f one point eight, which is awesome, and and you can also go up to um, fifteen second exposures, and and it'll even do like. Um, Gosh, I, I can't remember actually, but something like 20 or 30,000 ISO uh, for the sensitivity in low light, which is just incredible. So um, I was really anxious to get my hands on one and test it out. And this is uh, some of you probably know DXO1 is a software company that's um, they've uh, been uh, I've been using their photo software like um, Op- DXO Optics Pro and Film Pack. Um, for for many years, and this is their first hardware. So I was, you know, I definitely when I got it, I was going to be curious. You know, what is what is this thing like? Um, is it this? Is it going to be kind of, you know, um, is it going to be a, a the real deal, or is it going to be kind of a concept? But I really think it's it's incredibly uh, capable. I've been really impressed by it. I shot some some super low light stuff of the stars while I was in Switzerland and was really impressed. It, it shoots in uh, raw, but also in super raw, uh, which where it, where it actually exposes four raw images really, really quickly and then merges them. And, and, uh, and it uses that process to get rid of noise for low light images. And so, and, and uh, as David said, it's a 20 megapixel sensor. Um, it really just brings in a lot of the pro level quality and bridges the gap between the iPhone and the DSLR um, in a lot of powerful ways without jeopardizing um, without jeopardizing the weight and the simplicity and the, um, the kind of the liberty of just being able to go wherever with whatever fits in your pocket. Yeah, it, it is interesting to me. It's it's interesting because it's a high end product that is priced high end, but they see a market there. And I think the market is the people who want better than what the iPhone can currently do and want some portability. And I'm I'm just fascinated to see how this is all going to play out with with the interaction of the DSLR market. Maybe this is the the intervening step between now and when, you know, the cameras get even better. Well, yeah, well, Austin, man, we, we now have the man trifecta to the yeah. Mac power users. We got Austin and we had Jonathan, you know, song a day, Jonathan, and, and of course, Merlin man as well. So I it was really important that we, you know, get that done. And, uh, and thank you so much for your patience with the, uh, the, the technical issues we had and, and for everything you bring the community, everybody head out to austinman.com. Um, not only does Austin have these great reviews. He has tons of free information and tips and just ways to make you a better iPhone photographer right on his website. Uh, you can sign up there. He can send you information and, uh, and there's some gorgeous photos to look at. I mean, Austin, we didn't even talk about the fact that you were featured on the Apple site when you did the start something new photo. I mean, there's just so much we could say, but either way, <laughs> uh, uh, thank, well, thanks so much for everything you've bringing to the community and these great reviews you do every year. Thanks for having me. I really Really appreciate it, and and uh, yeah, appreciate um, all the insights that you bring to the community as well, and just uh, for getting all these 
guests on 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 uh, on your show and and for um, all the information that you share. So thanks. Yeah. And, and Austin, where are you on Twitter? Uh, Austin Man, uh, two N's, A U S T I N M A N N. Any uh, anywhere else we should tell people to look for your um, stuff? Instagram, uh, same uh, Austin Man on Instagram and Twitter, and then and my website austinman.com. Great. Well, we will have links to all of those things in the show notes, which you can find at our website at relay.fm slash MPU slash 258 for this episode. Don't forget the t-shirts are up there. You can find links to that as well as the MPU meetup on November 14th. That's all going to be up there as well. Thanks to our sponsors for this episode, Fracture, Pixelmator, Igloo, and Omni. And we will see you all next time.